0: Hardcore craft beer fans like to talk about the first names club in craft beer. The reference often applies to so-called rock star brewers who have become relatively famous among a subset of craft beer enthusiasts. These names include Jim, Sam, Garrett, Tommy, and Vinny, among others. The list is almost always male, reflecting the long-term tilt of focus in the once largely male-dominated beer industry. And that's unfortunate, because looking a little closer, reveals a strong contingent of women who should also qualify for first-name status. Mariah, Carol, Kim, and Lauren, among many others. And there is one more name that certainly deserves inclusion. Natalie. Namely Natalie Chilurzo, the president of Russian River Brewing in Santa Rosa, California. Natalie is a longtime industry veteran who has run Russian River with her husband Vinny since 2003. While Vinny gets a lot of the public love, Natalie runs the day-to-day operations and controls the business side of the brewery, which has grown considerably from its origins as a small pub in downtown Santa Rosa. In 2018, she and the Russian River team completed her dream brewery, opening a massive new production facility in Windsor. She is the recipient of the Brewers Association Recognition Award, which is presented each year to an individual or company whose inspiration, enthusiasm, and support have contributed to the craft brewing movement. In her work as a longtime member of the California Craft Brewers Association, including two years as its chair, she has developed a macro-level view of the state of the craft beer industry in the nation's biggest brewery state. In our discussion, we of course talk about Pliny, how she and Vinny thought they might lose their brewery to COVID-19, and how the industry still has work to do on issues of diversity and inclusion. Here is our conversation. How are things going at Russian River today?
1: We're Okay. Yeah, we're um I feel like we're getting our feet back under us <laughs> yeah. after three months of um you know, partial operations and uh just not doing what we're used to doing. So but it's it's been good. Our pubs have reopened they've been reopened for in house dining for two weeks now. Mm-hmm. And it's been um it's been going really well. So, um we're just grateful to, to see people come back and enjoy a beer and some food and um you know, do it in a, you know, everything's different with social distancing mm-hmm. and all the proper safety protocols and sanitation and stuff and our capacities are reduced and everything. So it's a, it's definitely a different, different world, but, um, but we're feeling good about the way we're handling things. And, um, you know, it's just it's just great to be able to bring some employees back and, and see our customers again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet. You know, now looking back a few months um you know, say back to you know, sort of January and February, which are obviously you know pretty busy times event-wise for a Russian River. What, what did you know? When did you first start to see things starting starting to concern you with regards to COVID? When were you sort of looking at things and saying, you know, these are you know this is going to be something we're going to have to tackle. We're going to have to address.
1: You know, I think it was really not until after Younger. I mean, we're we're grateful that um, it really did not, um, it was not, we were not aware of it in the United States until late February, I think it was. Um, So, but we knew, even during our Planet of the Younger release, we knew that it was a problem in China and was becoming a problem in Europe. And so we... We, uh, we did not see um, any visitors from, uh, normally, we see lots of visitors from, from Asia and from European countries, but we didn't see anybody from really any international visitors um, this year. It was mostly just um, uh, you know United States and mm-hmm. uh, Canadian and Mexican residents. And so um, it was kind of a different um, look <laughs> and feel from our customers. This year, and so it wasn't really until after that that we were like, "Oh, this is becoming a problem." And then Vinny and I—I um, I was actually invited to speak at a um, event that the Brewers Association was putting on. It was a media event in New York City, and it was mm-hmm. about women in beer. And so I was on a panel, and I was—you know—I sent some beer out, and then I ended up getting sick, and I think it was just a cold, but it was a really bad cold. Mm-hmm. And I ended up um, not, you know, I was not comfortable traveling because COVID was, or, you know, because the coronavirus was was being, becoming apparent in the United States, granted on a small scale, but it it was kind of becoming more dangerous. And that was right around March 9th, I think. Mm -hmm. And so that was for me and Vinny, like kind of our first big, like, holy moly, this is this could be, be game-changing because now, you know, we're not comfortable flying to New York City because, A, I was getting over a really bad cold and was on antibiotics and stuff and, and I have asthma. And so it was like, okay, if I was to get sick with that right now, that could be really detrimental. Mm-hmm. And plus, I was uncomfortable getting onto an airplane with the remnants of a cold and um, potentially spreading whatever I had to other people. And so I think it was right about that first week of March, we were all, okay, this could potentially be a bigger problem than, um, than we knew. And so we, we've, we've been following all of the protocols very closely. So when they started saying, okay, you, you need to, um, start, you know, doing social distancing in your restaurants, we did that right away and we're able to do that for a couple of days. Um, you know, we were being really careful with our team and checking in on their on their health and well-being. And um, and then when we ended up shutting the restaurants down on March 17th, we uh, we, uh, you know, then we got like serious about, OK, who's working from home? Who needs to shelter in place? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and then we, we furloughed. Sadly, we furloughed um, we furloughed 142 Employees and reduced hours for another twenty five. So about eighty two percent of our our team was um, partially or fully furloughed on March seventeenth. Okay. So that was that was the big day.
0: And, I mean, this is obviously a team that you've built over many many years. You know, how did that feel at that time?
1: Horrible. It felt horrible because we had, you know, we just built this beautiful brewery in Windsor that Vinny and I have really been preparing for our whole lives, pretty much, ever since he opened Blind Pig Brewing Company in Temecula in 1994. This was just decades of of planning and, and dreaming and, and finally, you know, putting our vision into one, one special place and then um, to have to shut it all down and lay off all these employees, um, you know, employees who've worked for us for 16 years and employees who've worked for us for you know, a year and a half and and it was equally hard to have these conversations Um, and not to be, and for me to not be able to have a conversation with everybody, you know, like it was done so suddenly Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) and our HR director had to, it was almost like a just mass layoff and it felt horrible. Um, You know, everybody of course was understanding and then we, we stayed in touch all the time via email Um, from me and Vinny and from our HR director giving everybody updates on what was going on but that for me was the hardest part it was really gut-wrenching because we really do care about our employees and we treat them really well and generous with benefits and we offer yoga classes here and um, stuff like that now the yoga room is um, is furniture storage (laughs) because we had to remove furniture from both pubs and so now there's pub furniture in the yoga room so we'll get back to that someday but (laughs) um but yeah and then you know I think just the first probably 48 hours Vinny and I had the kind of typical freak out um you know like what are we we're going to lose our business you know what are we going to do um you know just that just the the fear that uh comes with um something like that happening so suddenly and then uh, it took us about 48 hours to realize that, okay, well, we're not going to lose our business because we've worked so hard for this. And, um, we have a lot of people who rely on us to, you know, feed their families and pay their mortgages and pay their rent. And, um, and we're not, we're not going down without a fight. (laughs) So, so we, uh, we pivoted pretty quickly. And then, you know, we, we just, all that retail, because we're about, normally we're about 50% 50% retail revenue and 50% wholesale. Mm-hmm. So our are between our pubs and our tours and events and gift shops. We um, that's about 50% of our revenue. So when when all of a sudden you see that just disappear overnight, um, you panic. <laughs> um, but then thankfully, you know, as as you're well aware, um, as the days and weeks went on, um, there was a huge uptick in in wholesale. Right. Um, beer sales because of the grocery stores. So people were stocking up on toilet paper, flour, and beer, I guess, at the store. And so that was fantastic. And then actually a lot of our accounts, even though most of our on-premise accounts um, shut down, the ones that did remain open uh, were able to do things like fill growlers. And sell them to go, which is something that's not normally allowed in California. Um, They were able to sell alcohol off sale, so that was something new. The ABC here in California, um, they just like immediately provided um, relaxation of the rules Mm -hmm. for for most of us who held who have uh, ABC licenses within the state, and it was really, I mean, it really was. Very progressive of the ABC as well as the governor's office to allow that to happen, and I think it saved a lot of businesses.
0: And you know, as you said, this you know was at least timed to miss some of the bigger events. But you know, what was it like, sort of walking through the brewery and the pub and just just seeing the quiet? And, you know, because they, you know, these are places that are sort of dream places for beer lovers, as you noted from around the globe to visit. You know, and then suddenly, just quiet.
1: Yeah, you know, a little eerie and a little sad. Um, you know, it's really um, there's like a, a lifeblood and an energy that you know brewpubs around the world have, um, even even production breweries. When you're, it's filled with employees and and customers having a good time, and then when that is gone, um, it's it's eerie and definitely sad, like, you know, I would look out here to the beer garden for months and there was nobody there. And normally I would look out to the beer garden outside my office window and see kids and dogs and, you know, people out there playing mm-hmm. Frisbee and drinking beer and, and having a great time. And that's that's just part of the energy um, that that I think really drives a business like this. And then when that goes away it's just kind of like this empty feeling, I guess.
0: And have, has Russian River done, in the, in the pivot? Has it done things that you think will continue uh, as you know, hopefully, you know, the states and the localities continue to, you, know, reopen, though obviously California has had some, some troubling numbers and other places have as well. But you know, assuming that we can get back to a sort of new normal, are there things that Russian River has done during this, you know, the last three months that it, you know, will rely upon moving forward?
1: Yeah, definitely. So we had every tank full when we had to shut down our pubs and gift shops. Um, And um, we were sitting on a lot of packaged beer. (laughs) And so that was one of our kind of panics, like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to dump a lot of beer down the drain. And then not only that, we're going to have to receive back a ton of draft beer from our accounts that won't be able to sell it. So that was kind of those early days. And so um, Vinny and I talked about what are we going to do with all this beer? And we had not shipped beer direct to consumer in over 15 years. It was something we did in the early days when I couldn't make payroll. Mm -hmm. And I would go to Vinny and say, Vinny, we can't we don't have enough money for payroll next week. Um, what do we have that we can ship? And so we would pick sour beers and ship them. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm, I'll be honest. I'm not sure we were a hundred percent legal. <laughs> but we would, we were doing what we had to do to make ends meet yeah. back in the day. And, uh, but we haven't done that in a really long time. And so we both just said, we, we have to ship beer. We have to, and you know, it's, it's pretty strict. There's, there's not a lot of states you can ship direct to. There's, I think eight total. And interestingly, California is not one of them, Yeah. but we can ship interest state legally within California with no anything. You don't need a license. You don't need a permit. You don't even need permission. You can just do it. And so we were like, all right, we're just going to do this. And we, we have 150 shipping boxes and, um, because we would sell them to customers who could take them on airplanes Mm -hmm. or ship them to themselves wherever they were. We have 150 shipping boxes. We have some beer. We're going to put some beer on our gift shop and see what happens. (laughs)
0: So
1: we put a ton of beer up, because we didn't know what was going to work and what wasn't. We sold, I don't even know how much beer, but it was definitely more than 1,000 cases of beer within just a few days. We only had, like I said, 150 shipping boxes. Um, so we were scrambling to not only find shipping boxes from any supplier anywhere in the world, but we needed tape and we needed fragile stickers and we needed bodies mm-hmm. that we just didn't have. And so the first like round of shipping, it was me and Vinny, <laughs> Andy, um, our assistant general manager in the pub, and like um just whoever we could find that was was around and we were just in that warehouse just packing boxes and putting sti- putting we didn't even have label stickers mm-hmm. we we printed out on pieces of paper and uh, the addresses and we taped the heck out of them on these boxes and some of the boxes we had five different shipping boxes for like the first round of shipping and um it was it was pretty janky but um but we quickly realized that okay this might actually be a viable option for us um to a move some beer and b pair bills because i hadn't you know vinnie and i did built this new brewery on our own we just borrowed an incredible mm-hmm. amount of money to do it so we don't have investors and we don't have cash you know at at our you know whim right. <laughs> and so we i hadn't even uh, been able to communicate with my bank or get any kind of confirmation from them that they were going to help you know defer some um, principal payments which they did thankfully because if they didn't i would be telling you a different story right. Right. <laughs> Um but so thankfully the, the bank totally worked with us and and uh... and then we we were doing this direct to consumer thing so ever since then we have um, put beers online for a direct-to-consumer once a week. I usually post on Fridays. And then we, um, we spend the weekend printing our orders and labels, and we ship um, just within California, Monday, Tuesday, uh, mostly Mondays and Tuesdays. And then we ship overnight um, through Golden State overnight because we want the beer to get there as fresh as possible. So, But we are planning to continue to do that. We're looking into more insulated boxes to help get us through um, the summer, the mm-hmm. warmer summer months. And then, um, in the fall, um, planning to sign on with a compliance company that will help us, um, do uh, some out of state shipping to the legal states. Um, there's a lot of compliance permits, fees, um, it's just weird, you know, like in certain states you can only ship a certain number of gallons to one customer per year and I just it's too complicated right. for us to manage that. So, so, yeah, so we're planning to continue to do that. And then um, the city of Santa Rosa, thankfully, um, is shutting down 4th Street, um, down to, right in front of our pub. And so um, we were able to apply for a, a temporary expansion of our ABC licensed boundaries and move out into the sidewalk and then uh, within a couple of weeks we'll be able to move out into the street and so we'll be able to provide more outdoor seating for people um, you know because there's not a lot inside and then they'll just be more more comfortable and social distancing and stuff so that's something that we're gonna pursue as well so we have a couple of couple of things going on that we're planning to continue doing going forward
0: at any point when you are you know sort of Putting together these boxes and just sort of doing all the hand-shipping. Did you ever just sort of look over at Vinny and just wonder, you know, sort of how in the hell you ended up back in this situation that you might have been yeah. in a decade earlier? Oh,
1: it was, we were in startup mode. It was totally startup mode. That's exactly what it was. I felt like we were opening our pub downtown again. And it kind of was, it was weirdly refreshing. Yeah. It kind of felt good, you know, because you you uh you open your little business you have a handful of employees everybody does everything and then you know you grow up and and you suddenly have 200 employees and you know you have you've had to delegate a lot of things because you can't just you know you can't grow your company if you're continuing to to be in the weeds day in and day out and so we were kind of back in the weeds (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was it was such there was only we only had 37 people working in the yeah. whole company, between the Windsor Brewery, which was just doing production and packaging and um, self-distribution. And then um, the downtown pub was, um, we did, you know, we have one brewer down there and then we, we, we were open for takeout. And so we didn't, we only had about 14 employees for three months downtown. And then we had our remote um, sales team, which is only about five people. So it was really only 37 people left within the company that were really working full time. And so, um, you know, we were all doing everything again. And I, for three months, I I opened the mail and I Mm -hmm. um, did the daily reconciliation of the, um, the drops from downtown, which is, we didn't, we stopped taking cash. It was just credit cards and stuff. And I was just doing a lot of things that, hadn't done in a long time and same with Vinny and Vinny actually this is kind of funny everybody's kind of chuckling about this but Vinny seems to love this direct-to-consumer thing and he every week is the one in the warehouse packing the orders and so (laughs) if anybody hears your podcast (laughs) they'll know that it was very likely that Vinny personally packed their order (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's pretty cool and he seems to really like it you know I think it's kind of just taking us back to our roots (laughs) it feels good just oddly
0: therapeutic Uh
1: uh-huh (laughs) Yeah. kind of zen out in the warehouse
0: (laughs) in looking to you know in, in looking to 2020 and sort of beyond were there plans that Russian River had that have now either been postponed or or put on permanent hold uh just for you know just for just the situation that we're in
1: yeah, so we um, we bought a a really cute I think it's cute I don't know maybe I shouldn't say the word cute when when referring to a brew house. <laughs> we bought a little five barrel SS Brewtech brew house with little cute little fermenters, mm-hmm. and uh, it's our pilot brewery. And we installed it in the um, in the pub, so there's like this special glass room in the middle of the pub. And it's for us to experiment with, you know, hop varieties, different malts, um, new recipes, just brew like tiny little batches that we can only have on tap at our pubs and, and try out new stuff, R&D. And um, we were planning to get that all plumbed and hooked up this year um, with steam and glycol and everything. But we were having to put that on hold because that was a bit of a capital expense. Um, so that's, that's been put on hold. We won't be doing that this year. We just put a down payment on a new keg racker, um, which, in hindsight, we wished we hadn't done, but the the train has left the building, (laughs) Um, the station, that is. Um, We also, interestingly, um, I'm sure you're aware, kind of in a high wildfire danger area, and we were shut down for eight days. Last fall, due to the Kincaid fire, which came within about a mile of the mm-hmm. winter brewery, and then PG&E, our public utility company, um, uh, does these public safety power shutoffs. And so in uh, preparation for, you know, fire season and PG&E shutting our power off, um, at a moment's notice, if, if there's danger, uh, we, we rented a generator. We, we couldn't afford to buy one. To run the whole building but we had just uh, secured a generator so I think if uh, this had happened a little bit you know if 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 our financial position was a little bit better we probably would have just gone ahead and purchased the generator Um, but I'm glad that we're just renting one for another year before we uh, actually commit to that major expense which will probably happen next year but yeah we've had to put some things on hold
0: and in Sort of the other, some of the other plans that I think had been had been out there either right before COVID hit or just around the time. Can you talk to a, li- a little bit about the the Pliny for President campaign?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, we had already decided to, uh, So every four years, Pliny runs for president. Mm. So it doesn't matter who's in office. Doesn't matter anything. It's just something we started doing in two thousand four, just for fun. And it's really, um, I mean, why shouldn't Pliny run for president? Sure. <laughs> and it really started out as a T-shirt. And that's all it was. It's <laughs> just a T-shirt. And then it's kind of, I think it's really mostly just been a T-shirt. I think we added buttons in there somewhere. Um, and so this year we decided, you know, this is, this is a fun, you know, thing. We have a bigger brewery now and we can, we can have more fun with it. And social media, is popular wasn't as popular four years ago it was around but now we can do more more fun things with this and so we also decided that we would do a beer too and we would take the Pliny recipe and double dry hop it and um, make an even hoppier version of Pliny the Elder and so um, we wanted to wait to brew the beer until we were able to reopen but you know, as time went on, we realized that, you know, we weren't sure if and when we were going to be able to reopen and even what that would look like. And so we decided to do it earlier than planned and um, and do it direct-to-consumer only. And so um, we've done it twice now, and uh, both times have gone very well. We're also selling some now where we would sell it in our gift shops and our brew pubs because we're we're back open, but um, we're going to continue to do it through the election cycle. So our next uh, batch of planning for president is fermenting, and we'll be releasing it right around uh, mid July. So it's been a lot of fun, and we also started canning beer uh, right around Thanksgiving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, so we just decided we're just going to put it in a can, and um, it's been going really well. It has a special label on it, and um, it tastes great too. <laughs> <It's> really fun. <laughs>
0: You you have long served on the board of the uh, the board of directors for the California Craft Brewers Association, which gives you yep. sort of the benefit of a of a ten thousand foot you know uh, view of the industry in the state, which obviously you know if not I think is the largest in terms of uh, breweries in this country. Can you what from that sort of perch and that vantage point, how are things looking across the industry? You know initially. We had heard from you know Bart Watson at the Brewers Association and other you know initial polls that you know some breweries might only last a month to three months and you know the numbers were really atrocious. Thankfully, that does not seem to have entirely come to bear. Though we are in the back stages of figuring out you know you know whether those numbers will come to fruition at all. But from in California, you know what is your view? What are you seeing?
1: You know, um I. Um, I, I totally agree with that. I think initially we were all um afraid that uh, this is going to be a, just a massive attrition in our industry. I mean, people were throwing out numbers like 30 to 50 percent right. of Warcraft breweries in America were going to close. And uh, it was just like that was terrifying to hear. Um, And, you know, most of those breweries would be those who rely on 100 percent, you know, retail in the tap room you know that model and um and that was really you know a a hard thing to hear and so I think what happened in California is that you know the breweries were given a little more um freedom to do what they could to help get them through this time period and I you know we talked to a lot of people it's what's great about our industry is there's still a lot of camaraderie and mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people picking up the phone and sending out emails like I hear you're doing X, can you help me? So I know there was, you know, Vinny and I are, I guess you'd consider us seasoned vets yeah. <laughs> in this industry. And so we were reaching out to some of the kind of newer, hipper breweries that are do only cans and do pretty much only direct to consumer. And so so they were totally willing to give us some tips on um, how that all works and, and uh, boxes and, you know, we're mm-hmm. all sharing model, you know, product numbers and vendors and stuff. And, you know, a lot of uh, just just to kind of everybody pivoting and what to do. I think the Canvan, which is a, a mobile canning company, um, is doing a great business because so many breweries decided to start canning right. or scanning more so that we could ship direct to consumer. So I really feel that the prognosis is so much better than what it was three months ago. I've only heard of five breweries in California closing um, out of over a thousand. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah, I think it's that's so, pretty impressive numbers, and and certainly a lot better yeah. than the depressing numbers that we that we were initially quoted.
1: Exactly. And, I, you know, and I think that, you know, with reduced capacity and um, other reasons, you know, sometimes like I know some restaurants around here closed, but I am not sure they were doing really well to begin with. So I think, you know, this is kind of the the final straw or, or kind of a, a way to gracefully exit. Right. If um, if somebody is like you know I I really I haven't been having a good time it hasn't been going well and it's probably just time for me to to move on and try something else so we'll probably see a little bit more than you know more of that uh, brewery closures but I um, it's really the prognosis is far better than it was.
0: I saw recently that uh, Russian River announced that it would be joining the Black Is Beautiful campaign and I think indeed you have even brewed the beer. Can you talk to me a little bit about you know what the thinking was behind you know, you're getting behind this campaign.
1: Absolutely. Um, so we were, um, I was approached by Marcus, who's a co-owner and um, brewer at Weathered Souls Brewing, and um, he's a super sweet guy. And um, he told me about um, the the uh, collaborative beer effort and, um, and and asked if we would participate and said it would just really mean so much to him um, if we would be a part of it, and Vini and I obviously have been um, paying close attention to what's going on, and and we're already discussing like what can we do, how can we use our voice, what what um, as business owners um, can we do to to just show our support and um, and just you know do something. We just felt uh, we wanted to do something appropriate that was beer related, um, and I just really loved the. Um, the camaraderie of brewers coming together around the world um, to do this special project. Because we had done Sonoma Pride in 2017 um, in response to the, the horrible wildfires mm-hmm. that we had. And, and we had tons of breweries um, sign up to do it. And we raised over $1.1 million to help wildfire victims. And so Vinnie and I had already had this experience of, of hosting something like that. And we thought, well, this is this is perfect um, because this is brewers from all over the world getting together to show support for a really important movement and a really important cause and also raise funds for um, local nonprofits to help, um, you know, legal defense funds or, um, you know, helping with police reform or whatever the brewery decides. And so I really um, just thought it was a, a great um a great program and so yeah so we did sign on um to brew i'm not sure how many breweries are signed up i haven't looked in a couple of days it's probably up to at least a thousand by yeah, now. Was, the last
0: number i saw was somewhere north of 800 and it seemed to be increasing substantially every day every week
1: fantastic that's cool yeah um so yeah so we brewed our beer uh, i guess it was last week and we'll be um canning it We'll be offering it. A, there's not a lot of it. So we we uh, we're doing some direct to consumer, and then we'll be releasing it at um, both of our pubs. And then we'll be donating our money to Sonoma County Legal Aid, which is a, a local nonprofit that helps um, uh, people of all races and backgrounds um, help with with funds to fight everything from uh, you know child support. Cases or um, you know wrongful convictions stuff like that, and then I'm also looking into the California Innocence Project. Mm-hmm. It's part of the the Greater Innocence Project. Um, I think that's a pretty, pretty dynamic organization that um, helps um, uh, free wrongfully convicted uh, people from uh, yeah. So so yeah, so that's uh, what we're doing, and we're really excited to be a part of it, and um, you know kind of joining other members in our community to. To, uh to in the fight against racism and and um, police brutality I think it's really important that we all do it
0: with the death of George Floyd you know we sort of saw come to the forefront a lot of you know questions and conversations that had sort of been percolating in the background um, and you know certainly in the beer industry those conversations are, are starting to happen more often uh, do you believe that the craft beer industry is inclusive?
1: You know, I do. Um, I feel I've been in the industry since at arm's length, at least since 1994, and I think it's it's come a long way. But there's always always room for improvement. You know, we really started looking at ourselves um, and just kind of our makeup uh, a few years ago, and talking more about you know how we were doing and do we have um, you know a, a, a broad um, Kind of diverse mix of of employees as well as customers, and um, I think that um, we're doing pretty well. But there's, like I said, there's always room for improvement. But I think that you know brewers um, can certainly look at who's patronizing their breweries, like who's sitting at their bar, and if you're if you're having events and and um, you know providing a comfortable safe environment for anyone to come in. For me, uh, it's I've always wanted women to feel comfortable sitting at my brew pub because when we opened our pub downtown, it was a bar previously in mm-hmm. that location, and we inherited a bit of a rough crowd. And so it took us a long time to clean up that rough crowd, but I, I would just kept impressing upon our employees and managers that it's very, very important to me that a woman feel comfortable and sit to sit at this bar by herself to have a beer, and so when that finally started happening, I I felt um, like you know my you know we were accomplishing something, and so we certainly um, want to make sure that all people feel comfortable coming into either of our pubs or feel um, you know comfortable applying for a job at our breweries, and and I hope that other breweries are paying attention to who's coming in and. And what can they do to make um, people feel more welcome and and included, um, whether they're a customer or an employee? And I, I think you can do that through messaging, um, certainly social media, the types of events that you hold, and um, and just kind of you know what's the makeup of, of your uh, of your employees as well. So I think we're uh, um, I I feel like we're we're more diverse than we used to be. I i um I asked for on Sunday was Father's Day, and um I wanted to do a little social media post and usually every year what I do is I have our fathers who work for us um, who are working that day I'll get a picture of them and I'll post a picture of the Russian river dads right and so I didn't get a picture of too many dads and our um uh, from Windsor, there was only like two dads working. And then our manager said, um, yeah, today we actually have more women working mm-hmm. <laughs> than men. And I thought, oh, that's actually kind of cool. <laughs> so that meant a lot to me. But, um, but yeah, I think, uh, I, I feel like, especially with Dr. J, you know, working with mm-hmm. the Brewers Association and she's so awesome and getting out there and really having great conversations and putting on fantastic, um, Presentations for craft brewers. I think she's really helped to um, to open up that conversation and that dialogue and get us all talking about what we can do better um, going forward. So I certainly feel that in the 25 plus years that we've been in the industry, that um, we're making definitely some progress in that on that front. I always felt like I was the only woman in in all white male industry mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the early 90s. So. Um, yeah, but I think we're, we're making progress, but always room for improvement.
0: Do you think that we're making progress when it comes to you know, people of color? Because uh, you know, the Brewers Association, when talking about diversity, you know, often does talk about you know, trying to be more inclusive of women, and unquestionably that's been a long issue. Uh, but do you think it, the conversation with regards to people of color has been a more recent one and one that requires you know, a substantial amount of more work?
1: Yeah, I do feel it has been a little a more recent one, and I do think that that um, definitely requires more work. I I would absolutely agree with that, and I think that Dr. J has been um, doing a good job in in spearheading that conversation and um, getting us all to reevaluate our hiring practices and our um, you know uh, customer base and stuff like that. So I I definitely feel that we have uh, a long ways to go on that for sure.
0: And sort of one final question, you had referenced uh, your husband, Vinny, earlier, and you know, obviously the two of you have been running Russian River together for a very long time. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the challenges of the partnership of sort of being married and then working with, with uh, you know, your partner as well, uh, and maybe even just how that, how you, if you've reflected on that at all over the last three months when, as you said, things have gone in, into more of a startup mode?
1: Yeah, um, you know, working with your spouse um, is challenging, <laughs> and it's not for everyone. Um, you know, I've met a lot of people who started businesses with their significant others, and either the relationship didn't work out or the business partnership maybe dissolved because they realized quickly that working together wasn't working. But Finney and I um, somehow balance each other pretty well. We have different strengths, and I think that is key. Like if we were both brewers, you know, the expression too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, I feel like when, when brewers get into business together, um, especially husband and wife team or, you know, any kind of relationship partnership and everybody's trying to do the same thing and you're kind of stepping on each other's toes. um, For me, I think that that can create some problems, but um, you know, Vinny and I don't agree on everything. Certainly the canning thing was a huge point of contention <laughs> because I wanted to can. Right. and He was digging in his heels because he was just adamant that can the quality of beer in cans will never be as good as bottles. And he's right. He's right. And he's not wrong about that. But, um, but anyway, he finally um, caved in <laughs> to me. <laughs> and uh, I have a funny picture of him. The first can run we did back in November, we were canning mine circus and um, he's holding up a can of mine circus and he's he's flipping me off. <laughs> 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 and then here we are several months later and uh canning a lot of beer these days and we even are going to buy a little canning line yeah. so which is funny. Um but yeah, there's definitely a lot of give and take, a lot of negotiation, um a lot of um cooling off, you know, like learning to um say, you know, just filter what you're saying and <clears throat> say, I'm, uh, you know, maybe feeling a little uh, heated about something right now. And I'm going to walk away from this conversation when I'm feeling a little bit better. And I'll revisit that later. But uh, we also lived in a teeny, 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 tiny house in downtown Santa Rosa. And we realized that um, through construction that we were going to have a really hard time personally, if we stayed in our tiny little house Mm -hmm. tried to run a brewery business and built this giant brewery up here so um, we decided quickly that we needed to get a slightly larger house so we just um, got something with another bedroom and another bathroom (laughs) and so we're we're not stepping on each other's toes as much as before so um, we we've found our our rhythm and our routine, and it works pretty good. And thankfully, we do enjoy spending time with each other away from the brewery, um, even after we're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary oh. in two weeks. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that uh, that we're doing great after all these years.
0: (laughs) Well, congratulations to the two of you ahead of time and for making it through the craziness of the last couple of months. And I certainly wish you the best of luck uh, moving forward. And thank you for taking the time.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Andy. And uh, have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beer Edge podcast. This show is produced by Beer Edge and co-hosted by myself and John Hall. We know it's lonely during COVID-19, so if you want to reach out, we look forward to hearing from you. I can be reached at Beerscribe on Twitter or via email at Andy at BeerEdge.com. If you've got some time, and we know you do, drop a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Be sure to check out our revamped Beer Edge website, where we're posting new articles every week. Also be sure to check out John Hall's other podcast, Drink Beer, Think Beer, which drops every Wednesday. We'll catch you next week with another episode of the Beer Edge Podcast. Until then, stay safe and healthy.